AlienLegacy.html is brought to you by the fine folks at the Cage Club Network. For all things movies, media, music, comics, and more, check out CageClub.me. That's CageClub.me. everybody i'm nico and i'm kevo and i'm losing my will to live yeah there is that we are on day i've lost count of the lunar cycles of alien legacy i feel like every time i turn around there's another invisible bastard and the plot gets thinner and the movie gets weirder and we're finally at what i think is the last predator head movie please and like every single one of these predator movies is basically trying to be the sequel to the original predator predator 2 wanted to be it, the AVPs wanted to be it, Predators wanted to be it, and the Predator clearly is trying to be a direct sequel to the original Predator movie. And, like, that's almost worse than this remake culture that everyone keeps complaining about. When is anyone gonna actually do something that isn't just trying to ride off of the wave that was the original Predator that frankly wasn't great to begin with? Terrific, and until we come back to talk about those movies... Kevo, where can everybody find you online? Yeah, nice try. I tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, the predator was the killer inside us all along. You know, it's funny because in a lot of ways, the predator wasn't the worst. It was like a really good reinterpretation of what the original predator had been. And yet at the same time, it introduced so many new problematic concepts and things and didn't save very much that left me excited for the future of a Predator franchise. And what's weird is like I really dug this movie for the first 45 minutes for some reason. I don't know what I liked about it. Looking back, I'm like, oh, Olivia Munn. Pretty much. Olivia Munn and Pretty People. It's not hard to get me to like things if you just include Olivia Munn. And the cast had a fun dynamic, so it was engaging to watch, but it was one of those things where if you looked a little bit too closely, there's very little about this cast of characters that isn't problematic at times. It wasn't just the cast of characters that was problematic. I'm pretty sure the cast had some problematic issues. Yeah, so we might as well get that out of the way right up front. There was some major controversy surrounding the film of The Predator. In 2010, director Shane Black's longtime friend Stephen Wilder Stragle, known professionally as Steve Wilder, was registered as a sex offender and served six months in jail after pleading guilty to two felonies, risk of injury to a child and enticing a minor by computer, with the minor in question being 14 years old. Why is this relevant? Because Wilder would appear in small roles in Shane Black's Iron Man 3 and The Nice Guys, in addition to Black telling GQ back in 2016 that he was planning to produce a heist film by my friend Steve Wilder, before Wilder was given the unauditioned role as a jogger who repeatedly hits on Olivia Munn's character Casey Brackett in the film The Predator. Days before picture lock on the film, Olivia Munn became aware of Wilder's history and approached Fox executives insisting that the scene be cut from the film. And if 
if only that were all, but there was a little kerfuffle around the reactions from everyone involved with the film as well. For his part, Shane Black initially responded, I personally chose to help a friend. I can understand others might disapprove as his conviction was on a sensitive charge and not to be taken lightly. Black went on to say that he had long believed that Wilder was, quote, caught up in a bad situation versus something lecherous. After further details were released, including excerpts from the affidavit and quotes from Wilder's correspondence with the girl, Black released a fuller statement, referring to having read the morning news report, saying it has sadly become clear to me that I was misled by my friend I really wanted to believe was telling me the truth when he described the circumstances of his conviction. I believe strongly in giving people second chances, but sometimes you discover that chance is not as warranted as you may have hoped. I am deeply disappointed in myself. I apologize to all of those past and present I've let down by having Steve around them without giving them a voice in the decision. Munn notified her co-stars about the situation, not wanting them to be blindsided by it, only to be chastised the next day by the people at the studio for telling them, saying, and why am I not just keeping it quiet? It's going to be okay. It got deleted. What's the big deal? She was also dismayed at the lack of response from her fellow cast members, feeling like they had turned on her after the incident, saying, it's the fans and news outlets that's confirming it to me. What I did was the right thing. If I didn't have that feedback, I'd kind of go crazy thinking, why am I being treated like this? That's not okay to feel like the bad guy. Her castmates did eventually speak out in support of her, with Boyd Hallbrook and Sterling K. Brown specifically taking to social media to post their support of her actions and regret for making her feel abandoned. <sighs> so that was my book report, and that was the nutshell version of the entire controversy. Please feel free to Google around for specific details about the case and or the responses from cast members, but that's pretty much everything condensed down into the smallest soundbite I could make. It's sort of unbelievable that in a film called Predator, no one believed a woman about a predator. And it's not even like she was like, he did something to me. She was like, this is well known. This is easily found. This is a court document. He is a registered sex offender. It's mind-blowing. You know, I even remember when this broke, we weren't very interested in the Predator franchise at the time, but we certainly enjoyed Olivia Munn as an actor, and so we were aware when it happened. And I remember Shane Black's initial reaction before he ultimately released his later reaction, having read the affidavit. And I remember how that came across to me, how it came across very defensive and saying that he made a personal choice. I've spoken previously on the show about James Gunn and his reaction being fired from Disney and how I had such respect and admiration for his reaction and taking that firing so gracefully. And this reaction to the news about Steven Wilder coming out, I remember being very put off by it at the time. But now having sat through every single Predator film, including the first one that he had a minor role in where he kept making jokes about giant pussies and all of the research that I've been doing into these projects and these movies and having seen this film itself and noting the fact that it only took 30 minutes for them to get Olivia Munn's top off, I'm no more impressed and no less underwhelmed than I was at the time. Honestly, I think I probably like the Predator franchise now. I didn't like it before. I don't think I like any of the Predator movies, but I think I like the franchise, if that makes any sense. I like the concept, and I like what can be done with the concept. I think it's a concept that can be used poorly, and I don't love a lot of the ways that it has been used so far. But a lot of the things about the core mythology are concepts that are very easily translatable into many different kinds of story. Like, they don't require any of the toxic masculinity 
masculinity that I feel the franchise is frequently mired in and based on this movie sometimes revels in. Which is why my favorite Predator guy is Sprinkles, but the holiday special is a beautiful creature. Well, to comment first and foremost on the universality of the Predator franchise, it was that very wide range of potential that initially had Predators director Nimrod Antal excited for the potential of a sequel to his own film. He had said that he would love to make one, and producer Robert Rodriguez was likewise interested, citing the large number of potential ideas the Game Preserve Planet setting provided, and also proposed the idea of a prequel movie about Lawrence Fishburne's character Nolan. Despite their fervor, this project apparently stalled and never came to fruition. Production was first announced for this film in June of 2014 with Shane Black confirmed as director. Though initial reports claimed the film would be a reboot, Black later clarified that it was in fact a sequel. During interviews for The Nice Guys in 2016, Black referred to this project as an event film aiming to elevate the Predator series. It's an attempt to eventize the Predator again, he said, an attempt to make it more mysterious. He felt that the film would return to the intimate scale of the original film and that they hoped to achieve the quote, same sense of wonderment and newness that Close Encounters had when that came out. I don't know that I see any of that whatsoever in the finished product for this film. I don't know about you. Like, none of that shows... Like, I can't even find how those things come together. I can't even find how they're separately in there in a disjointed way. Especially a comparison to Close Encounters of the third kind. Because isn't that the nice guyest alien movie of all time? Yeah, and this is coming from a man who also insisted on an R rating. In fact, quote, I made a condition of my participation with Predator that it'd be the same rating as the first movie, and the first movie was rated R. In other words, I don't want to cut away every time the Predator does something violent. I at least respect that he said the word violent instead of cool, so he doesn't sound completely like a prepubescent boy. I want to see the guts explode! He was definitely really interested in upholding the integrity of the Predator franchise, though, in his own way, and I very much respect that. Like, that's why Jake Busey was cast in the film. His character, Sean Keyes, is meant to be the son of Peter Keyes, the character that Busey's father, Gary Busey, portrayed in Predator 2. Inside of the Stargazer facility, the makeshift spear using the xenomorph tail from Lex Woods in Alien vs. Predator is briefly seen. On the other hand, there were two unused endings for this film that would have involved either Ellen Ripley or Newt being found within the pod that is the subject of interest for the final scene. Both women would have been wearing a breather mask marked with the logo of the Wayland yutani Corporation. These endings were filmed with an actress portraying both Ripley and Newt, though neither was ultimately used. If Ripley or Newt showed up in the year 2018, I don't know. I don't know. I think there could be some amount of time travel to the alien universe. Why the fuck not? Galaxy a long time ago, far, far away. Would that then cross us over with the Terminator franchise, I wonder? Another James Cameron joint. Or would we hop back over to Blade Runner, right? There's like time travel-y stuff in like the other Ripley movies, right? Ridley, other Ridley movie, talented Mr. The time traveling Mr. Ripley, right? That's him. I would actually watch the hell out of that movie. Another fun fact is that the initial teaser poster for this film, which was the slogan, you'll never see him coming, imposed over an image of the crucified predator from Predators, is a subtle nod to the character 
character of the Mandarin from Iron Man 3 with his catchphrase of, you'll never see me coming. I did not see that coming! Right? It's kind of cute. I mean, obviously, it's a reference to the Predator's, like, invisibility cloak thing, but also, it's a little nod to Iron Man 3, which is pretty cute. You know, I hadn't thought about it this way until you said it, but just now, I, I had a realization that, I guess, you know, I wonder if the main Predator from the first film got his invisibility cloak from his dad, James Predator, and perhaps maybe his mom, his mom, Lily Predator, and James Predator were on the run from Valdivator, and he was looking to kill them, and so they gave him the Predascar and sent him to, you know, I can't even, I can't even, yeah, I don't, I can't even take it further, man. I don't, that wasn't. Were you about to say Predwarts, and you realized that the joke had gotten pretty sweaty by this point? My favorite Predator movie by far was the Predator Holiday Special. This glorious two and a half minutes. It was number one, Sprinkles is the best Predator guy. Santa plays the best version of the Carl Weathers character. Larry was an incredibly likable gunsman. The Predator Holiday Special was everything I've wanted from the Predator franchise. I mean, I think it could replace Predator 2. There's even the alien nod at the end. It could, it, like, literally, I'd be happy to cover that whole movie for a podcast. Podcast. I have so much less to say about the Predator Holiday Special. I thought it was funny. I thought it was cute. I wish it had been a little bit longer, though, to be honest. I understand the premise might fall apart if you try and do too much with it, but I think they could have had a little bit more fun with it, playing up some of the Predator sci-fi and Christmas tropes a little more. There should have been a jingle all the way moment. (gasps) Yes, exactly. But I mean, I would have loved to have seen Sprinkles and his boyfriend because he's pretty clearly gay and maybe larry's family when he gets home covered in blood okay first of all all elves are gay so write that down i just thought the predator holiday special was two and a half minutes of really quality sci-fi horror christmas magic it was it was just imagining christmas wishes shooting out of your eyes it was tremendous and what did you think the predator was 107 minutes of Predawarts? That's pretty fair. I frequently just didn't know what this movie was trying to be. Other than a really stellar performance from Olivia Munn doing the best she could with a really limited supply, I felt like this movie was, and I know we disagreed during the film itself, you felt it was more of a callback to the original Predator. I felt it fell into a lot of alien tropes and they tried to have the best of both worlds. They wanted a Preda guy and a Xeno gal in Olivia Munn's character and what was the lead guy's name or who was he again? Oh. Oh, I don't remember what the lead character's name is. I remember his actor's name is Boyd Holbrook, because, like, I have that written down. He was super cute. I don't know exactly why he hasn't gotten somewhat more work, but, you know, it was also really random to have someone who is such an unknown be the lead for a film like this. They had Keegan-Michael Key. Right, and that was another thing. I'm getting so tired of this bad group of men. I am, like, so tired of it, you know? people complain that female Ghostbusters was a problem and people don't want a femaleized this or that but like genuinely I would love to see an all-female predator not even a hesitation in my mind put Melissa McCarthy in body armor and strap a gun in each hand and just let her fucking go nuts on some predators I think that would really change the franchise a lot and I would be really 
into that reworking of this classic because, you know, we've only talked about four Predator films and then two films Predators are in. But I find myself reaching an inevitable conclusion that round up the worst people you can into one room and stick an invisible killer in there only naturally goes so far. I think perhaps we loved Dutch from the first one the most. We liked the mythology from the second one. We enjoyed... I'm sure we liked something about the third one, right? Oh, we really liked Danny Trejo and, 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 oh, you know what? You know what we liked about the third one? We really liked the resetting it on a foreign planet. About this one, we liked Olivia Munn. And I feel like it's unfortunate that this entire franchise boils down to one or two good things per film. We frequently like things about the concept of the Predator, but we also frequently feel that they are not well executed. I don't think that the Predator necessarily even brings anything new or necessary necessary to the franchise though it introduces the concept of a super predator i don't really think that was something that was necessary the predator hasn't really been a character that has needed that especially after we did a xeno predator in avp requiem so we've seen a predator upgrade we've seen that there are more badass predators in the movie predators and plus there's the whole uncomfortable side plot of the lead character's son has autism and that's a special mutation that the predators see as advanced human DNA and it makes the kid a genius at languages so he can learn the predator language and he gets an office at the CIA or something in the end? What? I don't even understand how any of that got past anyone without someone going, is this right? Did we have a sensitivity reader look at this? So a lot of that tied back into this really weird grandiose sense of 80s horror it felt like avp requiem in that regard this very friday the nightmare on elm's teenth part 16 and a half this sort of like nondescript 80s horror and the kid gets disability wish fulfillment at the end and the reason things like disability wish fulfillment are so dangerous and problematic isn't because it's bad to see a person with a disability succeed because we all want to see people succeed across all spectrums the reason it's bad is because it then makes it harder for people to accept real-to-life disabilities and how they manifest because then people are saying well why can't you be like a language disability person why do you have to be like a non-verbal disability person and it creates an insensitivity to reality why aren't you like those autistic people that i see on tv now i am on some molecular level forever sad panda about the fact that like i don't know if i'm more upset that there's a possibility that they would have found newt and ripley or upset that they didn't find newt and ripley but what they did find was some real steel transformers vr trooper bullshit nonsense so much about this ending i'm like what the fuck it's so strange because they find this device in this orb thingy in this pod and when they get it open they see that it's a super suit it attaches to a scientist the scientist is relinquished of it it's a predator killer bot machine suit and lead guy is like oh i found my new costume that's my new suit and like okay where's that going to go frankly there's no word on further predator films at this time and specifically shane black 
is not working on anything at all. Not surprised by that, frankly, after everything that happened on this film. And I don't know that Fox necessarily wants to pursue anything further in this line after everything that happened. So, Fox, what Fox? You mean Disney? Yeah. And frankly, Disney is in a very reboot-y mood. If it's not working at peak efficiency, they don't necessarily want to deal with it at all. So now there's just going to be this really awkward moment that I don't know if any filmmaker will ever pick back up on. And it vaguely makes me think of the way Lex was left at the end of AVP, but in a much more extreme way. I see only three courses of action that Predator can take. There is more of the same and do another Predator movie very much in the line of the four they've done or choice B, I think they could go cerebral horror. The threat of a Predator, the Predator appearing once maybe and then just letting them take each other out with Predator traps. You could do a very cerebral Predator film. And number three, you could take all of the Preda guys and pull them together and do sort of like a Preda Island, Lex and... And this guy in his Preda killer suit. And if you could get Dutch, it would be a perfect world. And oh no, Lopez. So sort of like a Predator Expendables, if you will. A Predispendables. Something I really like about your second suggestion is it makes me think of what I was talking about in the Alien Covenant episode and how it made me remember what a big threat just one xenomorph can be. And that's certainly something I would like to see that I think would be more of a return to form of what Predator had started as in the first place. Remind us of how dangerous one Predator is hunting alone because at this point it's sort of become easy to thwart multiple predators at a time so why are they even a threat because they're not mindless animals the way xenomorphs are they're incredibly intelligent animals but they're still not you know beings that have created this technology and this society based around hunting they're still just giant bugs so it's one thing if you can easily kill something like that but this creature that's supposed to be this intelligent sentient warrior whose society over thousands of thousands of years has built their culture around hunting if they're so easily dispatched in large groups how are they even still doing this and i feel like i've lost sight of what the predator narrative is supposed to be telling me about there's the hunt and also sometimes they just go after certain planets and sometimes they crucify each other and sometimes they hunt for sport with an unfair advantage and keep alien xenomorphs chained up like the entire process of the xenomorph hunt is completely unfair and counter intuitive to the process of the predator hunt and like in studying the franchise and reading up about the characters i see all these things about the honor of the hunt and all of this you know whatever blah 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 apart from not hurting an unarmed creature i don't think i've seen any cohesive narrative to predator culture that makes really any sense to me from everything we've seen on screen but i'd like to with the alien legacy project winding down and just two episodes left, neither of which constitutes any 
considerable contribution from Predator, it does seem like we've gotten all of the answers we're going to get at this point. I went from having only ever seen two half-Predator films to having seen every minute of Predator footage there is. I can say I'm a fan of the Predator franchise as a concept. I think we've even outlined some really great directions for it to go. We've pointed out some shortcomings, and we've even found a matching archetype to the Xenogal in the Predagai. Kevo, of all the weird things in our marriage I never thought we'd do together, this is on that list. Watching a bunch of action movies, yeah. This particular bunch, yeah. Yeah, I agree. This certainly wasn't on our personal watch list at all, let alone with any high priority. So it's been interesting to watch something that is not necessarily in our usual viewing habits. I agree with a lot of the things that you've said and overall enjoy a lot of things about the franchise and the concept. I think the controversy surrounding this final Predator film, the reactions of everyone involved, and the notion that there was a literal Predator working on a Predator film leaves a pretty bad taste in my mouth about what the films represent. There was a moment in the film where Olivia Munn's character questions why they call it a Predator in the first place, because by definition, it's really more of a hunter. At that moment, our HBO Go app actually crashed, and I wondered if our fire stick was crashing under the weight of the contrivance of the plot of the film. When we looked up the error number, it said we just can't do this anymore. And when it came back and we got the answer to Olivia Munn's question, it was that the men had voted and Predator just sounds cooler, and all of the men whoop and cheer, and I think I hear one of the professionals say, fuck yeah, and that's sort of the impression that I'm being left with about Predator. There are a lot of interesting things about it, but it's sometimes a little too childish for its own good. And until we return to take a look at the Aliens sequel Apocrypha in the form of the Alien Cube script by William Gibson, adapted into an audible drama and a Dark Horse miniseries the same year, as well as Alien Isolation, a short film based on the game, the six Alien shorts released for the 40th anniversary, and my first ever theatrical screening of Alien. Kevo, where can everybody find you online? You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Kevo Really, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y, and you can find me on the Facebook page for this wonderful program, Husbands Talking More or Less, at Real Nico Kevo Action. I'm actually posting there right now. You can also find us at that handle on Instagram and Tumblr, and over on Twitter at Real Nico Kevo Ack, A-C-K, and you can find these super fun, super exciting, super inclusive superhero stories that we've been telling over at kidriotcomics.com for about five years now. Nico, where can the folks find you? You guys can find me all over this network on the three feeds of X's for podcast, whether it's 80s Mutant Mania, Thor Thursdays, or Powerhouse. We're covering all aspects of the Marvel Universe as fast as we can. Don't forget to check out Now and Again, where I talk about music with my childhood best friend, or my theme work on shows like Too Fast, Too Forever. My Instagram is over at NicoAction, N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O so don't forget to give that a follow and hey while you're clicking around subscribe to this show if you're liking it and keep checking us out each week and until then we'll see you i wasn't paying attention and i almost just said okay i love you like this is a phone call i do love you all though <laughs>